thinking about this morning as we were practicing and, uh, and praying just for the morning. Um, freedom is this constant word that, that has entered my mind in the, in the past several weeks. And just thinking about our desire um, as believers uh, is to be free. And, and we think about, hey, someday when we're in heaven and everything is going to be perfect and there's going to be no pain and no suffering and that day will be great and we look forward to that day and it's going to be awesome and that is our hope. Um, But in thinking about the fact that freedom and the abundant, authentic life in Christ starts right now. The moment that we come to Jesus, we can be free. We can live in freedom. Freedom in Christ does not mean that we live without pain and without suffering, but it, it does mean that we can find joy that, that surpasses our circumstance, right? And so that's what we want for people this morning. We are, we are held captive by so many different things. And even like we come to church and we sing, like, I could see it in some people's faces sometimes. It's like we come to church, and you may not be a church person. It's like, why do we sing? Like, what are we singing for? We're standing next to somebody, and we're singing. Well, in the Bible, in the Psalms, it even tells us to make a joyful song. It, t- it's, it says to take out your instruments and play joyfully as unto the Lord. It says make a loud noise unto the Lord. And, and in the Old Testament, love this, but God often sent the singers, the worshipers, out in front of the army and they would be proclaiming the worth of God. And sometimes when we sing, we're singing songs of prayer. We're singing songs sometimes that are proclaiming truth. We're singing songs sometimes that are begging God for something. But whatever we're doing, we're singing, and it's all worship, proclaiming who God is in the midst of the world that we live in. So when we sing, we can, we can enter into the presence of God. You can do that without singing, too. But the beautiful thing about this is song is such a great way to express emotions and feelings. But it's not just about that. I want you to think about the words of the songs that we're singing. And so we sing because God has asked us to sing a new song. And we sing a new song to God because we're excited about what He's done in our life. And so as we sing these next few songs, um, just don't worry about what the person next to you is doing. I want you to get lost in the words and think about the freedom that we can have in the name of Jesus Christ in the midst of good times, in the midst of bad times. It can bring everything into perspective. So I want to pray for us that way, um, and then we're going to sing, and the offering's going to come around, and we'll go on with the service. But God, I just thank you. Thank you for every heart and soul that is in this room today. Father, uh, um, I pray against the things that keep us and hold us captive from being free in the name of Jesus, whether it's whether it's sin, whether it's guilt. Um, God, it may, be, uh, it may be a job, it may be a person, it may be whatever it is, God. I just pray against those things. I pray um, that you would just bind Satan from this place, that he would leave us alone this morning because we are here in the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus is more powerful than anything and the, the demons tremble. They know who you are, Jesus, but they tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. And so we claim that name this morning. So I proclaim freedom uh, for the captives today. As we worship you, I pray that it all comes into perspective and that we can see you for who you really are, God, and know that we can have freedom in the name of Jesus. And so, God, even as we give now, I pray that you would find us giving with joyful hearts. Um, God, we love you and we need you and we want to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with us again and let's just celebrate our King.
of the Spirit, sorry, fruit of the Spirit, as Nick said, I you know, got to catch myself. We've been trying to remind everyone every time that the fruit of the Spirit is a package deal, that all these things come together. And so we've been taking one week at a time to look at what the fruit of the Spirit is made up. What does it look like? And you may be thinking to yourself, why, why are we doing this? You know, why, do, why are we t- going through the fruit of the Spirit like this? Why are we looking at each of these uh, parts of the fruit separately? And as I thought about this, I, I think two, two really big reasons come to mind for me. And Nick talked about this a little bit last week too, that you know what? one of the things that this helps us do is to see God's character. So that when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, it helps us see what God is really like. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. God has patience. You know, sometimes we get these, we might have this idea in our mind of God and we have to ask, does it match up to what God's word says, what what we see of of him there? I think the second big uh, reason that we want to think about the fruit of the Spirit is Picture it like a roadmap, maybe, of this is what God wants me to look like. This is what God is doing in my life. And I, I read a quote by C.S. Lewis I thought was really appropriate. <clears throat> he said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right, stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. And you knew these jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But then he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. So we think about this fruit of the Spirit. And this is what God is doing in our lives. God is actively trying to turn us into people who are known for our love, for our joy, for our peace, for our patience. And today we're talking about faithfulness. The Holy Spirit, if if he is living inside of us, if we have become part of God's family wants to build faithfulness into our lives. And so, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll start at verse 16. Just, I think it helps to just kind of read through this and have it fresh in our minds. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then look at this, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we've got these forces and two forces inside of us that our flesh is pushing us in one direction, and Paul says it's at war with the Spirit. Okay, the Spirit is trying to mold us into this portrait of Christ. You know, we've become part of God's family, and the Spirit is trying to let that family resemblance work itself out, right? Trying to transform us into something new. And sometimes that process feels a little bit painful. But as we think about faithfulness this morning, uh, I've got three points. I want us to think about a portrait of faithfulness. What does faithfulness really look like? We want to talk about the produce of faithfulness. What does faithfulness produce in our lives? And the pursuit of faithfulness. What does it look like to run after faithfulness? So I have an exercise for you. If you don't say this out loud, I want you to get this in your mind. I want you to think of one word to you, one word that summarizes faithfulness, and obviously it can't be the word faithfulness, one word that kind of sums it up for you, and, and I've got five of them coming up here, so I may ask you to raise your hand if, if you match each of these as they come up, but everyone, everyone got their word, their word that summarizes faithfulness for you? All right, so let's, let's paint a picture of what faithfulness looks like. To me, how many of you thought of consistent? We have a few people who, who thought of consistent. Well, this is a picture of Old Faithful. I've never been to Yellowstone. I want to make it there someday, but I, I know that everyone says that if you, if you go to Yellowstone, you have to see Old Faithful, right? And it's this, I guess it's the most consistent geological feature in the world and, you know, spouts off anywhere, you know, around an hour to an hour and a half. Just consistently, though, it just keeps going and going and going. And so as you think about faithfulness and, and a portrait of faithfulness, man, think about this. How cool that God wants to help us become consistent people. God wants us to be people that can be counted on, you know. And we take this for granted sometimes, right? But faithfulness, and you've got to have people that are consistent. Raleigh likes to use the term bulletproof, right? Um, but, man, everyone needs consistent people in their life. I mean, you look out at that lawn. That lawn looks great every week, and we have, we have thankful for Vance for his consistency mowing the lawn, right? And so many other jobs and ministries and things that happen are happening because we have consistent people that are faithful and, and working in, in whatever they're doing for God. Let's look at the next one. Steadfast. Did anyone think of the word steadfast? Got one, man. Oh, another one over there, steadfast. So when I think of steadfast, I think of faithfulness in the context of great opposition, right? You know, sometimes it's easy to be faithful when things are going good, right? But if we're steadfast, it means we're faithful when things are hard. And this is a picture of the D-Day invasion. I think of those, think of those soldiers uh, as they approached that beach and the things that were going through their mind. And, you know, man, they had to be steadfast. Like, those bullets were coming around them, whizzing by them. And, you know, were they going to be faithful to the job that they had in front of them? And all of us are thankful that they were, that they, 
They were steadfast. All right. How many people thought of the word loyal? All right. A few more. Loyal, that's a, that's a really good way to summarize faithfulness. Now, this is a picture of a dog. I don't know how many of you have heard the story of Hachiko, the Japanese dog. Um, so the story is that back in the 1920s, there was a Japanese professor whose dog would follow him to the train station every day as he went to work. And then also, you know, this dog got used to this, his master's routine, and every day when the professor would come home from school, this dog would be waiting at the train station for him at 5 o'clock or whenever he got off work. Well, the, as the story goes, tragically one day, the professor died at, at, during the day, and he did not return. Well, this dog loyally, loyally, every day continued to come back and wait for his master at that train station. And this didn't just happen for a week or a couple weeks, but for nine years, every day, this dog would return to the train station and became famous throughout Japan. And, and when this dog passed away, it was made a big deal and, and you know, a lot of people kind of mourned it. And... Uh, you know, I think about this quality of loyalty, and, and the thing that sticks out to me about loyalty is that if you have someone in your life who is loyal, they're not really swayed by the circumstances or by what happens. They're going to be loyal no matter what, right? Um, you know, it's one thing to be kind of a surface-level friend, right? But if you have a friend that's loyal, and even when you mess up, you know that that friend is going to be there for you. And so, man, the Spirit wants to work loyalty into our lives. Dependable. How many people thought of the word dependable? A few thought of the word dependable. This is a picture of Cal Ripken. Obviously, he has the record for the most consecutive games played. I think over, just over 16 years uh, that he went without missing a game, which is really incredible when you think about the fact that he played shortstop. And, uh, you know, dependable. I mean, someone who's dependable is just there. Like, you know you can count on them day after day, month after month, year after year. They're just dependable. That's a, just another aspect of, of uh, faithfulness, I think, really kind of speaks to this, you know, consistency over time. Trustworthy. How many people thought of the word trustworthy? All right, we've got a few that were thinking of the word trustworthy. And you know, when I think of trustworthy, I think of Joseph, Right? This is a picture of Joseph, and uh, if you guys remember the story of Joseph, he was uh, promoted from a slave to a position of great authority in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife uh, began to be attracted to, to Joseph and really um, tried to get him to betray his master, tried to get him to, to sleep with her, and you know, Joseph, and he was trustworthy, like he said, you know what, my master has put me in charge. I'm not going to betray my master like this. And even though it came at great cost, personal cost to him, he was, he was falsely accused and thrown into prison, he was trustworthy. Uh, so those are five words I, that I found, you know, throughout a lot of things. But let me, let me hear what other words came to mind for people, any that, that haven't been mentioned so far, just throw them out there. True. Reliable. Ongoing. Ongoing. What else? 
So all these things help us to kind of, I think, really paint a good portrait, a good picture of what faithfulness is, right? And, and we love faithfulness. We love knowing people that are faithful, right? And whenever we, we think about this fruit of the Spirit, it's a, a chance for us to kind of look, pause, take stock of our own life. Am I a faithful person? Now, I would say all of us, I can, almost, I can guarantee all of us are faithful in some ways, right? But the question is, what are we faithful to? So I can say for 100% of the people in this room, I, I think I can confidently say that we're all very faithful to our stomachs, right? I mean, man, three times a day uh, without fail. Now, some of us, you know, may, may skip breakfast or whatever, so we're a little less faithful to our gastrinal system. But and we are faithful to that, right? We know that we need to eat and we're going to take care of ourselves and we're very faithful to ourselves. And that's easy to do, right? Um, but when we think about faithfulness in the context of as a fruit of the Spirit, um, you know, I think we really want to come back to faithfulness in, as, as this act of obedience to God, right? So God has entrusted us with his word. He's entrusted us with all these things that he wants to do in our lives. And we all have responsibilities and, and areas of influence, right? And so the question is, are we faithful in our area of influence? Am I faithful as a servant to God with my personality, with the gifts that I've been given, with my talents and my time and my treasures? Am I faithful to use those things for him? Um, so, as we think about, man, what an awesome thing faithfulness is and what it looks like, I think it helps us to think about what are the results of faithfulness, right? What comes about from someone who is faithful? And, you know, one thing that, come, the thing that comes to mind right away is flourishing, right? Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And I, I don't think you can really have a shortcut to that. If you think about, again, going back to Joseph, and he continued to be faithful. Even after he was sent to prison, he didn't say, you know what, I'm going to forget about all this and do my own thing. He was faithful. And again, he rose not, not back up to Potiphar's house, but to second in command throughout all of Egypt, right? Because he was faithful. And anything, any organization that you want to look at, whether it be a, a business, whether it be a church, whether it be government, um, or at a smaller scale, like a friendship or a marriage, those things are not going to thrive without faithfulness, right? If, if you do not have people that are consistent and loyal and trustworthy and dependable, man, we need all those things for, for our relationships to flourish and for things that we care about to, to prosper. Um, you know, in 2 Timothy 2, when Paul was, was kind of giving his last instructions to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want you to entrust what I've taught you to faithful men. That's what God needs. God needs people who are willing to be faithful. Um, I think another produce of faithfulness is a growth in influence, right? So you see this pattern over and over again that when a person is faithful, God entrusts them with more. And the, the best place to see that is in Luke 16, Luke 16, 10, where Jesus says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. 
And then you see it again. This is a picture of the, of the parable of the ten talents where Jesus, uh, Jesus tells the story of the master who goes away and leaves his servants in charge and entrusts them each with a talent, which was a, a good amount of money. But he says, you know, when he comes back, he, he, the master calls the servants to him and says, hey, what did you do with what I entrusted with you? And the one who, who, who came to him and, and said, hey, I've taken this and I'm returning it to you ten times with what you've given me. And the master says, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. Again, faithfulness leads to opportunity. And so you can see this again and again, you know, whether it's faithfulness at, at your job, at your work, is going to lead to more responsibilities. Faithfulness in ministry, God is going to bring more things into your, into your area of influence that he wants you to be involved in. Finally, we want to talk about the pursuit of faithfulness, right? I mean, if, if faithfulness is something that we're striving for, something that God wants us to become, and we see, you know, man, how awesome it is that, you know, this principle is there that as we become faithful, God adds to us and, and increases our influence. You know, we still may be, as we think of all of the fruit of the Spirit, asking ourselves, how do, these, how do I make these things a reality in my life? And I think as you go back to Galatians chapter 5, I want to point out just three things that I think are practical things that we can each take with us as we just, this week as we think about pursuing faithfulness, as we think about pursuing the fruit of the Spirit. And the first is from Galatians 5.16, where Paul says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the Bible pictures this life as, as a journey, right? And so what does it look like to walk with the Spirit? You know, my kids, they like to go to the playground, and, and we'll go out, and they'll get their bikes out. And, you know, I, I, always, I think about this as, you know, when, as they're on their bikes now, they've become faster than their father, right? So they'll sometimes start to get out a little too far ahead, and I say, hey, wait, hold up, slow down, you know, wait for me. And, you know, other times I can think back to when they were little, and maybe they would kind of start dallying behind. And, and both of those are not what we want when we think about life with the Spirit, right? We want to be by the Spirit, not out ahead of Him, not behind. You know, this is like a a dependence that needs to happen hour by hour, day by day, um, that we're walking with the Spirit. And this is not a complicated thing. It's just as we start the day, you know, inviting God into our day, just to say, Father, I need your Spirit's presence in my life today. And I don't know how many of you do this at, at work, and, and I don't do it often enough, but inviting God into our work, right? So that you know, maybe I've got a meeting coming up I'm feeling a little anxious about and just say, you know, Father, help me in this meeting, right? Um, I'm feeling a little anxious. I, I just need you to help calm me down and, and accomplish what needs to be done. Or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, I mean, inviting God into that. You know, I think that's really what walking by the Spirit looks like is yielding ourselves to God moment by moment uh, as we go through this life. Um, 
And as we do that, we're going to start to see him transform us. We're going to start to see him change us. I think another, another one is from Galatians chapter 6. So if you just look across the page, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says, The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so it's asking ourselves this question, man, what am I sowing to? Now, I think, you know, there's different ways to think about this analogy, but, you know, the, the one that kind of makes sense to me is just to think about what kind of seeds am I putting in the ground? Now, I work for an agricultural company. We sell, I wanted to find a, a bag of Pioneer wheat, but I couldn't find a good picture of one. But, uh, you know, we put a high emphasis when we, when we talk to farmers about, hey, you know, you want to put good seed in the ground so that you get a good crop. And as we think about our spiritual life, man, what kind of seeds are we putting into the ground? Because we can't expect to reap faithfulness if we are not putting in the time and, and the effort to, to chase after that. And, you know, again, there's this balancing act, like it's God's work to change us. But we have to be involved in that, right? We have to be like the farmer who puts the seed in the ground and waits patiently for it. And so as we think about those ingredients that promote faithful, faithfulness in our life, are we doing those things? Are we spending time with God on a daily basis? Are we spending time in prayer? Okay? Are we, are we seeking after him in different areas of our life? Are we trying to be faithful to him with our finances and with all these things? Those are all things we do to sow to the Spirit, right? And the, this last one is my favorite. It's from 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. You can see it up there. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And God changes us. This is so cool. God changes us as we look at him. And we say, wait, that, that doesn't seem very hard, Right? You're telling me that if we just look at Jesus, we're going to be changed. And that's what God's word says here, though. I think if we let this verse really soak in, um, it can kind of help to, to change some of our perspective about what it means to change and what it means to grow. And that what God is saying here is if you look at Jesus, you're going to be changed. And you've, maybe some of you have heard the, the expression that we become like what we behold. Well, I think this is very true in that as we continue to go to Jesus, to look at Jesus, to see how Jesus has given it all for us, it starts to change us, right? And, you know, one of the things we do as we, as we get together every week is we, as we take this bread and this juice, and we do it because of this very same fact that we are trying, again, to behold Jesus. We're trying to, to remind our hearts, man, you have a, a Savior who gave his life for you. And as, as we think about faithfulness, you know, something that's true of our faithfulness is that we're, it's very difficult for us to be faithful to someone who's been unfaithful to us, Right? If someone is unfaithful, if they break trust with us, if they're unloyal to us, man, we want to cast them off. We want to throw them away. We want to be done with that person. But 
that's not how God's faithfulness works. Um, I think of the, the verse from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So God's faithfulness does not depend on us. He, you know, from the moment that he saved you, he already saw the worst that you would be. He already knows everything about you. And that never slowed him down, never gave him pause, never kept him from going to the cross like he did. So as we take this, you know, some of us may be thinking about the times that we have been unfaithful to God, and yet we take this bread and we take this juice, and this is our opportunity to say, Jesus, thank you for being faithful to me. In spite of my sin, in spite of my need, you are faithful to me. Let's give thanks. God, we thank you for Jesus. What a constant friend he is. Father, how many times have we failed? How many times have we failed to be faithful to you? To be loyal and consistent and trustworthy. And yet Jesus, that didn't turn him back. That didn't slow him down. That did not keep him from going to the cross. And now, Father, how awesome it is that you are in the business of changing us. You are in the business of making us into something that we are not now for your purpose and for your kingdom and for your glory. So God, fill us with your spirit. Help us walk by the spirit. Help us sow to the spirit. Help us look at you and be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you know what that means today? That is if you came in here with a burden or a sin that you laid down at Jesus' feet, he is faithful. He is faithful to forgive you for that and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we can leave here today cleansed and clean because we have a faithful God. Thank you guys for coming. We're going to sing, I think, one more song as we reflect on God's faithfulness. faithfulness to you this week.